0: Good morning. Good morning All right. I've been, I've been itching to get back in here. All right. We lost like a hundred people. What, 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 what happened? Wow. We was packed now there's like 150 empty chairs. We got that many kids and teachers. Amen. 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 All right. I got a quote for you this morning. Who's been reading the book of Judges? All right. Here's the quote. Let's, let's press in. Let's settle down. Let's get in. Really short, really simple. Change is inevitable, growth is optional. Change is going to come, change is always going to be around us. There's always going to be change, but you got to choose whether you're going to grow or not. Amen? Let's bow our heads, let's leave, and we're good. For a couple of weeks now, I've been um, encouraging you to read the book of Judges and, and to really try to get that book under your belt before the end of the year. I've heard some of you come to me and you tell me, Oh, I'm on, you know, chapter 12, I'm on chapter 4, I'm on, I'm done. And, and I've been hearing, you know, good things. And, and, and some people have been telling me, Man, that book is even crazier than you said. Some people told me I stopped reading it because I got mad. Anybody shared a lot of different emotions when you read this book? Somebody, some, some people were telling me I, I saw myself in it too much and it, and it got me a little upset and I stopped reading it. Good. I mean, not that you stopped, but good that you're seeing yourself in it. Amen. Family, I don't know if you, if, if you have... Um, grasp this or not but we're entering a time in history in society in our culture that truth is relative that means my truth is not necessarily the same it's same as your truth you know this could be true to you this is true to me and it's all true we're living in an oprah society Where, as she preaches, there are many ways to God. There are many ways to Jesus. Jesus is not the only way. Your your truth and my truth. Listen, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said this back in his time. This was the early 1800s. He said, the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be this. Religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, that means without being born again, politics without God, forget that, and heaven without hell. This was the 1800s. He says, this is what we're going to be facing, what the next century is going to be facing. Church, the Word tells us in 2 Timothy 4.3, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Do you see that happening anywhere today? Church, we need to be equipped as the body of Christ. Like we discovered in our walk through Ephesians, we have to put on the full armor of God to take a stand. Amen? Amen? And the thing about the full armor is, is, is there's a, the helmet of salvation there's the, and that's God God calls you to be say you so that's given to us by God. There's the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, that's Christ's righteousness. That's not your good doing. that's the good that He did for you. So, so he's given us this, He's given us this. The shield of faith even. He gave us a measure of faith. So He gives us that. The, but, 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 but when you look at it, you have to the big part of that is the belt of truth. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That part we got to get for ourselves. I want you to be equipped, church, but I can't give you everything you need. Are, are, Are you hearing me this morning? See, it goes back to what Pastor Mark was sharing last week. The church in America has gotten too comfortable. Even if I served you, let's look at it this way. Even if I served you a full five-course dinner on Sunday morning, I mean, you know, multiple proteins and carbs and the right, you know, even if I served you a full five, at least in the natural, by by the evening you're going to be hungry again. Amen? Or at least by tomorrow you'll be hungry again, right? No matter how much we ate here on Sunday morning. See, I got this picture of of the church in general. Not you guys, but, you know, the church in general. And it's a picture of who I was in high school. Watch this. See, if I had to read a book in high school, I would run and get the cliff notes or the monarch notes. How many of you know about that stuff? The little yellow books, they're like, the book is this thick or the cliff note is like this thick. Even when you picked up a fat cliff note, you get angry like come on bro (laughs) this is like a big cliff note man it's like 30 pages in here (laughs) and know what i'm talking about so see see the the these are notes those in case you didn't because you know some of you are good students and you actually read the books that you're told to read but but in case you you in case you don't know that the monarch notes or these are notes that someone else wrote after reading what we were supposed to read See, I've been asking you to read the Word. God is asking us that we read the Word. But many would rather wait for me to read it and give you the notes. Say, "Uh uh-oh. That was me in high school. I would wait for somebody else to do the work and then just give me what I need. See, God is asking us to gird ourselves up with the Word, with the belt of truth. He's asking us to do battle with the sword, with the Word of God, but the church just wants everybody else's notes. We're happy just grabbing a, a Happy Meal from Furtick or grabbing a Happy Meal from, from uh, Jake's or Olsteen or and, and they'll throw you a Happy Meal with a toy sword in it and we'll feel spiritual. See, with the cliff notes or with somebody else's notes, I, I used to get just enough of what I needed to maybe get by. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You, you barely, right, unless you're really, really smart. You might get just enough wisdom, but you'll always lack the experience of the time spent with the text. See, the happy meal can fill your tummy for a little while, but it can't sustain Even in the best churches, even with the best preachers, people much smarter than me with many more degrees of which I have none. But, but the two scriptures, an illustration and a testimony will not sustain you. It won't keep you strong. It won't keep you from falling. It won't keep you from making idols. It won't keep you from identifying your idols. It won't protect you from attacks on your character, on your flesh. It won't sustain you through dry seasons. People always wondering, I go to church every Sunday, but I'm still dry. You know why? You're not eating enough. I'm not mad, in case you're visiting for the first time. You can talk to me after I'm a nice guy, I'm a good person, I'm not an angry guy. But I, I I gotta get passionate about this. You're not eating enough. You're eating to survive, not to overcome. The church today is eating to survive. I mean, I, I try to make it, you know, as many Sundays as I can. You know, there's things that come up, there's beach days and there's, you know, vacation and there's, you know, my cousin's uh, sister's christening birthday party. And, you know, my aunt's um, sister's cousin's, you know, the UPS guy, he throws a big party all the time. And there's, and there's this party and that party. You know, I try to go, you know, for the most part, but we're eating to survive, not to, you I, 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 I want to challenge you this year more than ever before to eat to overcome. To eat to be strong. To, oh, man. We got to eat to grow. We, 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 I, 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 met so, I meet so many people, they, they want a word from God. If I tell you, oh, I'm bringing the, uh, the prophet is coming this week, and you, I want a word from God, but you won't go and get a word from God. He's already given you his word. You know that you can get a word from God every time you wanted one? Right? Instead of having some prophet that you don't know, he's off, he had a bad day, he's on antibiotics or something, and he starts prophet-crazying over your life. And if you don't know any better, oh, you believe it. Yeah, amen. He told me I got to marry you. (laughs) The prophet said, I got to leave you because, you know, you're not making me happy anymore. But the girl in the choir, um, the prophet said, "Uh, you know, he, he got new things coming for me. God is doing a new thing, God, the word the prophet said. No, when you don't know the word, you, 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 you all right, you, you get it. <laughs> Feelings have nothing to do with it. You know how sometimes you feel sick and you don't want to eat? <laughs> sometimes you got to force yourself to eat so you can be strong. Ah, yes, so that's good stuff. Now, listen, this will require a change for some of you. Some of you have never cracked open a Bible app. (laughs) That was funny over there. (laughs) You've never cracked open, forget about a real Bible, but you've never cracked open a Bible app. But you'll spend six hours a day on the social media app. You You know everything your friend ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and who he's sleeping with. This will require a change for some of you. But listen, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Does anybody want to change? I don't know about you, but, but this is what kind of excites me. I'm on the hunt for the who I've not yet become. Anybody excited about something like that? Like you're not done yet. God's not done with you yet. I'm on the hunt for the who that I don't even know yet. For the who I have yet to become. Listen, honestly, this has been, I've been struggling with this. I've been, I, I feel like I want to go through the book of Judges like we did the Ephesians. I want to go through each chapter. And get, but, but I feel the Spirit of God saying no. Set it up for them. Help them understand it. Explain what you can to make it clear. But let him who hears and wants to grow, let him go after it. I don't know why God's doing that with this particular thing, but I really feel that in my spirit. Don't teach it. Don't break it down. Don't take 21 weeks to go through it. Just drop it. Explain it. You know, give, give some instructions. Equip the body to do the work of the ministry. See, I want the, the book of Judges to be like a stop sign, to be like a warning sign, not a blinking yellow because you guys go f- faster through the blinking yellows. But a stop, a warning. I want you to see, do I see myself in the children of God? Do I see myself in the the nation of, 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 of Israel? Am I running like them? Am I stressing like them? Am I worried like them? Am I disobedient like them? Am I a follower of everything around me just like them? Do I cry out and complain just like they do? Do I only listen and obey when somebody's watching just like they did? Do I only call out or come close to God when I'm in trouble, when I need something just like they did? See, some of us have been running in circles for too long. And we hear the word, and we don't put it into practice. And we know more than we do. We take in more than we give out. And Ephraim will tell you every day, you've been blessed to be a blessing. And you're like, I'll see you next week when I to get blessed again. I'll start coming to the conference so I can get extra blessed amen <laughs> but i uh you we hear word and we don't put it into we take in more than we give out i came to tell the church today what goes around comes around what you put out there comes back to you we reap what we sow some of us are just happy that we're not who we used to be so come on say amen Oh, I'm happy I'm not who I used to be. Say, we can give testimony night. We'll all talk about it. Pastor Mark was telling you last week that's not a place to stop, though. It's great news that I'm not the liar I used to be. Somebody say amen. I'm not the thief I used to be. Say amen. I'm not the cheater that or the manipulator. I'm not the addict that I used to be. I'm not the heartless guy that I used to be. I'm not the cold person I used to be. I'm not that miserable, depressed person that I always was. That's great news. But listen, only Christians celebrate the fact that they aren't who they used to be without becoming who they were called to be. What about you today is worth celebrating? That's too heavy, come on. You've changed? That's awesome. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Have you grown? Here's a, a great picture to see it this way. If you're not growing that other stuff anymore, what are you growing now? If you're not growing the other, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not what I used to do, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not living the thug life, I'm not living the thief life, I'm not living a high life, I'm not living a drug life, I'm not living a drunk life. If you're not growing that stuff anymore, what are you growing now? Because listen, if I was a gardener, I wouldn't want in my garden a bunch of trees that used to grow bad stuff but don't grow any bad stuff anymore. Does that make sense? Because there'd still be empty trees, right? And and I'd want in my garden, that's not enough reason for them to stay. I want in my garden some, not, not just trees that don't grow bad things, but I want beautiful flowers. I want healthy fruit. I want strong branches and leaves that provide a covering to those around it. Jesus says in John 15, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He says, you, you, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. See, the beautiful gospel is not just that we're not who we used to be. The beautiful gospel is not just that we don't do this or do that anymore. The beautiful gospel is this, that while I was still growing garbage, God set His love on me. That while I was still diseased, damaged fruit, He came for me. While I was fit to be tossed in the fire, He took my place and redeemed me. He paid a price that I wasn't worth it so that in Him, in Christ, I could be a new creation. And the fruit that I bear is the proof (coughs) all right let's look at the book of judges which can get us so twisted and we can sound so complicated but what it what it says is that what goes around comes around what we what we sow we're gonna we're gonna reap see either we can walk in his ways jesus said if you love me you'll do what i say or we can walk in consequence how many of you tired of walking in consequence some of you are walking in your own consequences. Some of you are walking in your father's consequences, your mother's consequences, your family's consequences. You're walking in the sins of the father. It, how, how many of you tired? You want to walk in favor? See, when we follow and trust God, and that's not always going to be easy, but when we do that, we walk in his will, and we'll have his favor, and we'll have his covering. I love Psalm 139. I shared it with you before. He says, I'll go before you and behind you, and I'll place my hand on you. That's such a beautiful scripture. I can't let go of that. Because even when it's dark, even when it's dry, even when I'm, I'm not happy, even when I'm not getting everything I've asked for, even when God's not seeming answering my prayer, I know that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, He's going before me and behind me, and He has His hand on me. And that's, that's how I want to live. Amen? Listen, let me, let me drop this on you. I've, I've walked with the Lord for almost 30 years now. I know I look 32, I know, but um, just kidding. It hasn't been easy. And there have been some difficult seasons. I've been broke before, anybody. But I've taken in much more than I've ever given up. You you, you got to hear this. I've never had to beg for bread. I I started tithing. Listen, giving. I started tithing. I started giving God back a, a, a small percentage, a piece of what He's given me when I was broke. And to be honest, I've shared this with you before. My wife made me do it. Straight up truth. And she didn't. She never understood. I'm the one that pays the bills, and I and I have to manage all the money. And she was there, but you didn't pay your tithe. So Mama, you don't you. And then I used to argue with her, could we go shopping, and she wanted to buy three cereals. I said, Mama, you can't buy three cereals. You know, it was like that. You know, you, you got three cereals to 3 or $4 each. I can't buy three. Can we just buy one for this week? Is that, you know, so I, I had the stress of the money, and she forced me to start tithing. Giving a little, now listen, uh, my tithes were a joke to put in the basket. Because 10% of $199, which is what I was coming home with, What's the math? 20 bucks. 20 bucks is a joke. Right. But as hard as it was to give that 20, it brought back more blessings than I could ever pay for. Let me. No, no. wait, 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 because I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Every time I've shared this story, but you got to hear it again. I I never get tired of hearing the testimony. Every time I needed a car, one was given to me. There were junky cars, there were jalopies, they only lasted a year or two, but every time one would become unfixable, someone would give me another one. I, I mean, th- this was my life for a season. Someone would give me another one. When I had two kids and I took in my cousin and her two kids because my, my, my compa he died and he left you know his kids. And I, I, I bought a huge house with no money and no down payment and bad credit. I know it sounds like an infomercial, like I'm trying to sell something. I'm not selling you nothing. I'm telling you, I went and I bought a house so that we can live together. I went and I bought, and the, the, the realtor, after checking all my numbers, he's like, you're crazy. You shouldn't be buying a house. But he started showing me junky houses, houses that had ceilings caved in. And I said, listen, bro, I, I don't, I don't, at that point, I couldn't even hang a picture on a wall. So I'm, I don't want nothing I need to fix. And they look at me like, are you stupid? You, you, you got no money, bro. I said, yeah, but I don't want, and I kept looking for until I found the house that I own today. And and it was on a corner, and it was a huge two-family house, big, with with a backyard for the kids. I said, that's the house I want. They laughed at me, but I'm still in it today. Amen? Watch this. Watch this. My wife prayed for a minivan. Somebody gave her one. We didn't always have the money to pay all the bills, but people would give us paid vacations. To places we couldn't afford. So at one point, I had a neighbor upstairs. I was, me, me and my wife were just talking about him the other day, so that's why this kind of come up. He wasn't even a Christian. He was a, a typical, you know, board upstairs. Most of the time, he was a little lit, and um, but <laughs> great guy, the great guy. He would, and every once in a while, and it became more and more regular. He would come downstairs. He goes, "Listen, I cook too much, and and so here's some dinner for your family." And it'd be chicken and rice and beans. I said, you didn't cook too much. You didn't cook four people extra to feed my whole... You did this on purpose, bro. <laughs> and he would do that all the time. One December, he came down. He noticed it was December and we didn't have a Christmas tree up. And he said, how come you don't have a Christmas tree up? And, you know, we played it off. No, you know, we've been busy. Been a... He left that night. He bought a tree. He bought some lights. He bought like a, you know, a 99 cent pack of, of, of uh, ornaments. And he came back that night and set up and, and, and bought us a tree. And then every year after that, for all the years that we lived on that, in that apartment, he would buy us a tree every year. Wow. So, so here's the math. God can buy with a $20 tithe. God can buy cars vacations, airline flights, dinners, and Christmas trees. You try to do that with your $20. See, what goes around, come, when you trust God and follow him, you will not run empty. <coughs> but you have to trust him. He said, when you abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Okay, judges, sorry. I'm going to get started eventually. So, still Sunday, right? We're good. So when God delivered his people from Egypt, from slavery, we we talked about that, we've set this up, we've gotten to there, and he promised them this land. He gave them clear instructions regarding what to do in this promised land. Clear instructions. Some of us wish that God would give us those clear type of instructions, right? But be careful what you ask for. Because the book of Judges will show you that... Probably not a good idea. He gave them clear instructions, but time and time again, the theme of Judges is found throughout. And even the last sentence of the book says this, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This may be Old Testament scripture, but it speaks loudly to us today. Amen. So let's get some explanation for the craziness that we're reading. Listen to what God told them to do so that when you read it you can start to catch where they went wrong god told them back in deuteronomy he said i'm going to take you to this place i'm going to give you this promised land you're going to it's going to be a land overflowing it's going to be a land full of blessing it's going to be everything you've ever wanted you're going to have everything it's going to be a good place it's a promise that I, I gave and look what he says when the lord god brings you to the land deuteronomy 7 That you're going to occupy and forces out many nations before you. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Dominicanites, and the Cubanites. And seven nations more numerous and powerful than you. So he's already telling them there's going to be seven nations there more powerful than you. More numerous, stronger, more powerful. I'm going to drive them out. When you get there and he delivers them over to you, you attack them, but you must utterly annihilate them. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Don't give your daughters to their sons. Don't take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. And then the anger of the Lord will erupt against you and he will quickly destroy you. Somebody say, that's clear and harsh. Amen? Instead, this is what you must do. This is what God wants them to do in this new land. You must go and tear down their altars shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their sacred Asherah poles, and burn up their idols. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you to be his people, prized above all others on the face of the earth. So he gives them clear instructions before they get there. Don't get mixed up with the enemy. These are your enemies. They are not for you. Does this apply today? They are not for you. The New Testament tells us the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell somebody today. Listen, sin is fun, but but don't think because you're playing with the enemy, he cares about you. Can, can, my, can my teenagers open their ears for a minute? Sin might sound fun. Sin is fun for a season, but don't think because the one that's letting you play games don't think he likes you don't think he's for you don't think that he will not is not intent on destroying you i know this ain't the feel-good preaching people like to come to church for now we can read this and say man that was harsh god's but god's heart is designed to protect his people The worship of anything other than God brings slavery. Can somebody say amen? Amen. If you've ever been addicted to anything, can you say amen? amen? Worship of anything other than God brings slavery. Worship of the one true God brings freedom. So, so we'll, we'll see this if we pay attention to the days of judges, we can see this also in our own lives. When we worship or make an idol of something, it brings slavery. We, 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 when we don't let God be God in our lives and, and, and worship him alone. It brings, when, when we worship him alone above everything else, it brings freedom. Now we can say, why was God so harsh? Why is this so strong? First of all, he doesn't have to explain anything to us, but there's plenty of reasons in the text. It was the judgment on the Canaanites. These Canaanites were a cursed people. They were already cursed by the sins of their fathers. Man, that that should strike a chord in, in the hearts of the fathers today. So they were already punished and cursed. Then another reason is for the protection of the Israelites from their religious influence. They've already proven themselves as idolatrous people. God has already proven to them back in Israel that he's the one true God. Every Remember the plagues that he sent to Pharaoh? Every plague attacked one of their gods. And he showed himself that I'm the only true God. Every plague. He said, you want to worship the Nile? Look, I'll turn the Nile to blood. Every plague attacked one of their gods, proving that he was the one true God. So uh, another reason, it was the fulfillment of the promise to their ancestors. He promised them this land. Another thing, he was preserving the lineage from which the Messiah had to come. Because after all of this, there will be a deliverer. There will be a final judge. There will be a Messiah. And the way we'll know it, that it was him, is that he'll fulfill every prophecy that was ever written about him. So God preserves that lineage. Okay, so now if you read Judges chapter 1, you'll know that a lot of tribes did what God told them to do. But some of the tribes didn't follow through. Have you, if you've gone through chapter 1, you read that already, right? A lot of them, they went in and did it. And, and, and you'll read it. It says, you know, they'll, they'll show you some things. And, and they took this land. And they took that land. And they took that land. And then, and then as you start to read, you see that some of them didn't follow through. So I want to show you how to spot some things in chapter 1 so that you can continue seeing them throughout the book and in your own lives as well because that's why we're here. Amen? Amen? Chapter 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. When, 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 the, when the word says Judah, he's not talking about one man. He's talking about the tribe. So these were all Tribes. Now they have no more leaders and each tribe has has been given the charge to take over a territory that's been allotted to them and to drive out the enemy and have the the beauty and the grace and the bountifulness of that land. So he says, Judah should go first and fight. I've given them over. So what's the first thing Judah does? Verse 3, and Judah said to Simeon, his brother, hey, come with me into the territory for me so that we can fight together and then I'll go with you and fight with you. Judah decides that would be a good strategy to have another tribe come with him on those battles. And it was a good strategy. But here's the problem. God didn't tell them to use strategy. I mean, if you always think you know better. (laughs) I know none of you guys, but people that you know. Right? A lot of Christians that you know. They ask God, God, and then God will tell them how to do something. God will tell them what to do. And they say, okay, that's good, God, but I can make it a little better. <laughs> Instead of me going up and fighting this, I'm going to bring another tribe with me. Since we're closed, that's my boy, that's my brother. His tribe will come. We'll go we'll defeat him, And then I'll go with him and we'll defeat him. Good strategy, but God didn't tell them to use strategy. He told them he was going to give them the land into their hand. See, when we come up with strategy, strategy, it's usually because we're trying to do things in our own strength. God promised victory, but we see the compromise starting early on. Okay, two things that will derail your Christian walk always, comfort and compromise. If you're taking notes, that's, that's noteworthy right there. It's like today, we ask God what we should do, but we don't follow what he's already led us in. Okay, so the Israelites had a great victory. God, God gave them favor. Judah went up to the Lord, gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into the hand, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. But if you read chapter 1, rather than killing the king, what did they do? This is you're going to get. When you're reading Judges, you're going to get a lot of what the H moments. you be like, they took the king and they cut off his thumbs and his big toes and let him go. Like, you know, kept them. What the H? Why? And and if you ask yourself why, you'll see the testimony of the king tells us why. The king says himself, he had 70 kings with their thumbs and toes cut off that used to pick up scraps under his table. What does that tell us? The reason they did that was because (coughs) that's how the people of the land used to deal with their prisoners. When you cut off a man's toes, not toes, when you cut off a man's toes and thumbs... He can no longer be a soldier. He can no longer fight. He can no longer run. So they would keep them around as trophies. This king had 70 as as trophies to to be proud about, to, to be respected. But that's not what God's people do. So that wasn't what God told them to do. That was the Canaanite way of thinking. They're already, even in battling with the enemy, they're taking on their ways. Church, we do that today too. We deal with our enemies the way the enemy deals with people. We hold unforgiveness. We hold bitterness. I know not you, but Christians that you know. We hold on to rage. There's angry Christians. Anybody met some angry Christians that shock you? Like, what are you so angry about? Like, the word says there's rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. But I can't even get a smile from some of you. We hold on to rage. We hold on. We want vengeance when God says, give it to him. As a New Testament church, a new covenant church, God says, forgive them. I've forgiven you. Have mercy. Show grace. Because what goes around comes around. God says, by the measure you use, it'll be measured unto you. That scripture always messes me up. By the measure you use, it'll be measured unto you so you could decide the level, the measure of grace that God uses on you. How, like, how, who wants to cut that short? Say, like, God, you know what? I'm pretty good. I've been serving the Lord about 30 years now. I don't need all that much grace. So, so you could use a small measure like I'm going to use on this brother because I can't stand him. Right? Right? Who, 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 who wants a small measure of grace? I, I don't know. I'm your pastor, and I don't want one. I want the largest measure. I show grace to everybody because I want that measure to be big. I want God to say, I can't even see it because you're so gracious. I can only be gracious to you. Amen? Okay, back to the battle. You'll read that they took this town and they captured that place and they captured that place and God gave them that place and that one and that's awesome, man. Because you just see that that g- bigger enemies than them, greater, numerous and powerful, God is just handing them over. They're just walking in and saying, "Hey, boo!" and the enemy's like, "Ah!" You know, literally, because I mean, they can't they can't fight these guys. They don't have the skill. They don't have the training to take on these these Canaanite you know soldiers and armies. And they're just walking in, going. And and like ah and they're they're running, like they're just hand, God's handing them over to them, right? But then towards the end of chapter one, you start to see that some of them didn't fully take their, their territories and they allowed the enemy to live alongside them. Some of them took the enemy in and made them slaves. Where'd they get that from? Where'd they get that from? God said you had no business with them. Don't don't get near them. Don't live with them. Annihilate them. They can't be. You got to drive them out. They took them in and and some of them left the enemy alone in some places because they seemed too strong or too powerful. That's why even today God's children need to know God's word. Amen? That's why I'm just going in so hard on this. I, I need to know what God says to me about a certain thing because if God made promises to me, I need to know them and read them for myself. Amen? Some of us today are not the leaders that we could be. We don't have what God's already given to us because we haven't trusted God. We haven't stepped out and trusted God because you've been waiting for, to read somebody else's notes. Let's look at God's response to them in Judges 2. God loves His people so much that He says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. When we read that in the Old Testament, that's usually a manifestation of Christ. It's not just a regular angel. It's, it's the manifestation of Jesus. He, he, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and it says, The Lord's angel went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and led you into the land that I had solemnly promised to give your ancestors. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. But you must not make an agreement with the people who live in this land. You should tear down their altars where they worship. But you have disobeyed me. Why would you do such a thing? At that time, I also warned you if you disobey me, I will not drive out the Canaanites before you. They will ensnare you, and their gods will lure you away. Is that frightening? I love the words that the angel says, is, I will never break my covenant with you. That's a, a reminder for us even today that Israel, though, they never fully lived up to the part of the covenant. God promised that he will never forsake them. And that's the same with you and me today. The new covenant says we, we, he chose us before we chose him. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Amen. So when the Lord's angel finished speaking these words to the Israelites, the people wept loudly. And they named the place Bo-Kim and they offered sacrifices to the Lord there. And so the people were hurt. They were, you know, God, God dropped something strong and emotional on them. And it says that they cried and they wept. And with all this weeping and wailing, there's reason to believe maybe God's word had a deep impact on them. And maybe they were on a, on a, on a way to a genuine revival, right? But the record of the book of Judges shows that this initial reaction of sorrow and repentance did not mature into a lasting repentance. Verse 11, it says, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger, and they abandoned the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. See, thank you, Bob. Real repentance shows itself in action. Not necessarily weeping. We can be sorry about the consequences of our sin, but without being sorry for the sin. See, you can cry at the altar every week and not grow. We wait, worship team, you guys can come. We waste our best years going through these cycles. And we think because I, I came to service and, and, and that's why, listen, that's why a lot of times I won't even do an altar call of, of that nature. I don't want to tell you some sad story and make you emotional and then call you to the front so you can cry here. Because you know what that does? That boosts my ego. That does nothing for you. I want you to get hit hard. I want you to that that the word would convict you. And even if I didn't see it, but the word will convict you and you'll walk out with that word. Not because, oh, I cried here. And now, so now your wife is happy with you because you were crying at the altar because you lifted your hand and your wife is all excited. My husband, he's worshiping God. Your husband could be faking it. You don't know nothing. <laughs> or the other way around. Man, I saw my wife broke. Your wife was thinking about eating or something. and She was sad. <laughs> like, we don't know. what, what the, the outside stuff is, is, could be generated by anybody it's real when it walks out the door it's real when it walks out when 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 your 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 churches say hey we're reading the book of judges and you go and read the book of judges that's when it's real not when you answered an altar call about the book of judges because i don't want god punishing me or, or having all that wrath on me listen there's 21 chapters in judges And it tells us about some of the judges and and it tells us about six or seven times that they got caught up in these cycles. You know, the cycle I told you about rebellion, repentance, restoration. And you might think, well, if the book of Judges covers a span of like 300 years, six or seven times that they go through these cycles doesn't seem like a whole lot, does it? Here's the problem. When you read these accounts, and and I'm going to do one more at the end of this year message, and and then we'll, we'll step into the new year. But when you read through these accounts, as I'm asking you to do before the year is up, pastor's asking you to read the book of Judges before the year is up. Okay, just in case, you know, you didn't hear. You might notice this. Every time the people of God did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, every time they decided to turn their backs on God and follow after what those around them were following after, the anger of the Lord would be kindled against them and he would give them over to their enemies for a period of time. Watch this. Sometimes God will give people what they want and let them be enslaved by it. So that they could come to their right minds and come back to God. God's ultimate goal is always reconciliation. The first cycle that we see here in Judges, when this happened, He gave them over to their enemies and they had to serve their enemies for eight years. We reap what we sow, what goes around, comes around. Sometimes God says, if that's what you want, let's see how you feel about it in eight years from now. I'll talk to you then. You can go ahead and live in that sin. and You can live in that slavery for the next eight years until they got tired and they cried out to the Lord and he heard them and he sends a deliverer, a judge to rescue them. The next cycle we read about the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened the king of Moab to overpower them. are, Are you hear what I'm reading? God strengthened the enemy to give him power over God's people. You're like, yo, what's up with that? And the people of God served that king for 18 years. Eighteen, eight years of slavery, they come back, they have a time of peace. Now, 18 years of slavery. Here's my question to you today. How many years are you willing to waste serving that thing that you're putting before God? Is eight years a good price to pay? How old will you be and how much of your life have you wasted if you serve in slavery and disobedience for 18 more years? Can I help you cut some of that time today? Come on, let's, let's stand for a minute. Can I help you cut some of that time today? <laughs> some of you might be in year one of an 18-year bid. When you read through these cycles, you're going to see that every time that the people of God were tired of living in slavery, they cried out. And God heard their cries, and he sent a deliverer, and after, there would be a time of rest. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can I invite you into the process? to encounter a time of rest for this season again I don't want to be emotional and I I just want to call people back to God I've been reconciled to God and he's made me a minister of reconciliation and every one of you that's been reconciled to God, God has made ministers of reconciliation can I shout out to you today come come repent be reconciled to God come repent be reconciled to God
1: he is jealous for me lost like a hurricane I am tree Portion, and he is our prize brought to redemption by the grace in his eye. If grace is an ocean, we're all seeking heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And my heart turns violently inside of my chest and i I feel like time to maintain maintain these these regrets when i I
2: today really convict your hearts. I believe in the new season that's coming in our lives I believe God is about to do something different. I believe God's going to break cycles in our lives but it all depends on your decision you make if you're going to say yes to Jesus, yes to his ways counting the cost whatever's going to happen, whatever I'm going to go through Lord God whatever you have in store for me Lord I'm going to say yes to it today If that's you, just raise your hand. I know that's me for this year. Whatever God wants. Father God, I pray over your people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know you have new things in store for us, Lord God. So many of us have been going through this this desert-like wilderness for so long, Lord God. We're looking for a way out, looking for a light, looking for change, Lord God. But I thank you, Lord God, with your mercy and your grace, Father God. If we seek you first, Lord God. Follow your ways, Lord God. Everything we're asking for will be added to us, Lord God. So, Lord God, we repent to you today, Lord God, for our disobedience, for our carelessness, Lord God, for receiving words and hearing the words and not applying and not doing what you say, Lord God. I pray today over your people and over me, Lord God, that we'll be obedient to what you're saying in your word, that we will follow you, Lord God, look to your ways, not our ways anymore, I pray we don't be no more compromise in the name of Jesus. I pray we'll follow you no matter what it looks like, no matter who turns away, no matter who walks away from us, Lord God. We will seek you first, Lord God. And in doing so, Lord God, you will pour out your grace upon us, Lord. You will pour out your blessing upon us, Lord God. Your favor, your goodness, Lord God. I pray each one that says yes today, Lord God, will see, see you, Lord God, in the land of living, the goodness of you, Lord. In every day of their lives and among their children and the generations to come, Lord God. I believe, Lord God, in this season, Lord God, we begin a new generation, Lord God. A new thing, Lord God. As you make decisions today, God is going to do a new thing on the, the plans that have for you. Maybe things were going to go a different way for you. Maybe your marriage is going to fall apart. Maybe your children are going to inherit the, the wickedness and the things that we do. But today that's broken in the name of Jesus if you say yes to him. Let us receive the good things of God. Let us see the new generation, the blessings that await us ahead of them, One generation, not only your children, but their children's children, your children's children will receive the goodness of God for what you have done today. You receive that? I know I receive that. I'm waiting for good things to come. I'm, I'm tired of walking. I, I'm like Anakin Skywalker. I hate the sand. I hate walking in the desert. I want to walk in great green grass. Amen.
1: Amen. Come on, hallelujah. Won't hey, yeah. away. Won't give me up. I know Your grace has forgiven much. Call me yours. How can it be in all again? Just say, won't walk away. you, not against you. If you call him Abba Father, he is for you, not against you. He will not relent his chase after you. So if you're here or if you're coming back, God has been wooing and bringing you and calling you back home, loving on you even from afar. Even though you ran away, God has been speaking into your heart saying, my son and my daughter, I've been here with you rescuing you. Say, oh man, you don't understand his love for you. And I believe there's someone here that God has been speaking that word to you and you just happened to walk into this place today. And you needed a word of confirmation. You needed someone to say that God has been... The one who's been drawing you closer to him. Well, this is your word. This is your confirmation here this morning. You don't have to leave wondering or guessing if God is for you, if he loves you. He's telling you right now, plain and simple, he loves you. I know you walked away and I know you did some great things in the past. And how could you walk away from that? But God is saying, I love you. And we'll restore everything that the canker worms have eaten. So that word is for you here this morning. You are blessed. So be a blessing. And read Judges. <laughs> God bless you. And buy some cake for the women's uh, conference.